0: this news just in listeners the athletic is extending its one pound a month offer for all new subscribers meaning you can get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around plus a brand new breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of the athletics podcasts for just a quid this deal won't last forever though so don't miss out sign up today at theathleticcom slash scottish show
1: Me, Andrew Slaven, I've lost my heed and I don't know what the English have been banging on about all these years because how shoot out? It's a class! That's right, welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. I'm joined by someone who loves these International Week podcasts because she gets to talk about her favourite team, the Scotland national team. It's senior producer at Motherwell, Laura Brannan. And Hello. also... Hello, Laura. And also, someone who doesn't like these International Week podcasts because he has to analyse the tactical approach of just one team, the Scotland national team. It's JJ Bull from The Telegraph. Hello. Hi. Oh,
2: I got time to say hi. But Laura, <laughs> rushing in. I was just trying to get, call get in Call yourself a host. Nice
1: and quick. I know, unbelievable. Some people call me other things. We've gotten bold on the script. Laura has been sticking up for Tony Watt this week.
3: I'll be honest; it's not what I thought we were going to lead on after we've just play- <laughs> clinched our place in the the playoff finals. But nope, sure, let's go for but it. But it's
1: in bold, so I'm going to say it. So why why are we sticking up for Tony? Watt
3: Do oh, you know what? It just there was an interview he did with a, a local paper in Motherwell, and name it. Um, no, no, I won't name it. I won't name the journal. <laughs> But it was just the way the the end of the question, the end of the interview was, um, and we couldn't let Tony go without asking him about that goal against Barcelona. And his answer was very much, oh, well, it's in the past and I don't really want to talk about it. I've moved on and such and such. And then in the tweet, they teased the article by saying, and we talk about that goal against Barcelona. And I just can add enough and went, look, I just said it on Twitter. The, the, The boy's got other things to Think about his career. That's something to think about when you've retired and everything's all f- done and finished. Let, let him, let him move on. He's twenty six years old. He's he's done a lot since Celtic, and he's going to be doing a lot more as well. Um, it just kind of felt as though well like the journalists are just getting a bit repetitive. And he kind of said it himself. He said ninety five percent of interviews he does, he gets this gets mentioned. And It happened eight years ago. So let's just <laughs> kind of let's just move on. <laughs>
2: That's kind of symptomatic of a lot of traditional media and old media. I remember working on a certain TV show at a certain TV station where one certain presenter was desperate to ask Gareth Southgate about 30 years after it happened about that penalty before he (laughs) became England manager. Well done. Very current. Really current. They're always the
1: same answers as well. Exactly, yeah. Tiresome. Yeah. Well, look later on, we're going to be previewing the the new Scottish Football League season. And yes, we will talk about Celtic v Rangers because that is looming large. But first, let's go back in time to last Thursday night.
3: You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power.
1: And all of a sudden, a nation cheers, a nation believes it has gone Scotland's way after all... after After a tense and pretty dire... 120 minutes at Hampden, Scotland took part in their first ever competitive penalty shootout against Israel and got the job done to keep their Euro 2020 hopes alive. I won't lie, I'll ask for your opinion, but this game was really, really hard to watch. But gladly, or thankfully, we're quite hard to beat these days. (laughs) What do you guys think?
3: I mean, it was extremely hard to watch, but not from the same perspective you, you're you going to talk about. For me, it was the nerves of pacing up and down my living room. How do people sit and watch a game of football when it's that important? I don't know how people can sit on a couch. I was kicking every ball in my living room. It was so unbelievably stressful. I was exhausted, but I'm still exhausted. <laughs> it's half a week later.
1: Yeah, thankfully, I, I had um, my wee girl. It was our first... Time watching Scotland play and fair play she had a lot of enthusiasm she was screaming all over the place she's only six months but um, <laughs> it might not be Scotland's performance that she was screaming at uh, but JJ how did you think uh, Scotland got on in this game despite obviously I was taking it to penalties and we won and stuff but in terms of performance it was dire mate I don't even remember I don't remember watching the game it's hard a to weird it's thing.
2: easy to forget yeah like, did I watch it I think I did I definitely watched the penalties my favourite bit of the whole the whole thing, I mean, you could have just ignored all of it and just gone straight to the penalties because nothing really happened. It was basically Scotland are slowly becoming Northern Ireland part two, uh, hopefully not electric boogaloo, but it's going to be, <laughs> you know, hard to beat and grind games out. And international football often isn't that good. You always forget that. Or do I? I know I always remember it, so I don't like it. I have to remember this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Kenny McLean's little confident smile as he steps up to take the penalty was superb. Like you knew he was going to score it yeah oh
3: i but, had i had zero zero faith <laughs> really <laughs> yeah i just thought of all players i just thought why kenny McLean? i i, I don't know i you can hit a dead ball
2: he's really good at I, it. Know, he's I know i know he's, he's
3: taken penalties before but there was just something about i don't know if he's just not got the presence um at that point maybe i want my kind of captain to step up i, I don't know just he didn't fill me with the same confidence that see when cal mcgregor showed up i was so confident and maybe I was wrong, but John McGinn as well, even though it was mm-hmm. the worst mm-hmm. penalty ever. But no, I, 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 was completely at that point. I was not even looking at the TV, going, "Why, all well, players, don't, don't let him take it." But he proved me completely wrong, and I absolutely love him for it.
1: It wasn't just the players um, taking the penalties though, as well, because David Marshall saved for the first oh. first one against the. Uh, Havie. Really I mean, it gave you, it gave us such hope to just keep on going, because um, I think that that was the only save, wasn't it?
3: For it to be the first save as well, for the first shot. That changed it. I think that changed the tone because obviously, us taking the, the penalties first helped, but for him to do that the first time they stepped up, it was massive. And I think it just gave our boys the, the confidence to go for it.
1: And obviously, going into this game, we were kind of uh, going into it quite disappointed and nervous because we had um, a positive COVID test from Armstrong. Um, and then that also meant that uh, Kieran Tierney and Ryan Christie had to isolate, so they weren't involved in the game. Players that were very important um for, for Steve Clark. But he also went for a bit different up front with Dykes and McBurney. And we've said before, JJ, that McBurney would be better in a two. But I don't know if I really felt much confidence going forward
2: at all in Scotland. Well, the problem is not the two strikers. It's just how they construct play. Um, I'll think we'll cover this more when we talk about the uh, Slovakia game. To be honest, but mm-hmm. I think when you look at the, the the way the team was set up for this game, you had McGregor and Jack basically doing exactly the same role as a double pivot, and they're they're very very similar. So you get the same kind of. Thing out of both of them again you want to be a supporting striker which he sort of was like he's a midfielder obviously but you want him to make runs to support the two forwards which he was trying to do but if he's a bit deeper then you can go box to box and help it that way and you've got three and because Israel were playing a three kind of getting outnumbered a bit with a two at times everything's going wide but you've only got Robertson really who can affect play wide because O'Donnell's just not as good going forward as you know as you may be wanting to yeah. and uh, like Bernie and Dykes so the, the the plan should be that the ball can go up quickly from one of Cooper or McTominay to one of uh, McBurney or Dykes, who can then lay it back to McGinn or something and then progress play from there. But the, they were never in positions to receive the ball um, further forward and Israel kept it tight. But then as sort of Scotland were doing it, just was so, it was really not very interesting because both teams were more worried about conceding than they were about going forward, which kind of makes sense, especially with Scotland having to put that makeshift team together.
1: The result is great. It certainly felt like a, a match that had um, a lot riding on it. Because it was. It was Scotland's biggest game for over a decade. Um, and, yeah, we are through. And it looks like, we're well, we're going to be facing Serbia now because, like, well, thank God we're not facing Norway. <laughs> but, yeah, you Didn't look at Serbia Norway, and they beat though? Norway. Yeah, I know, yeah. exactly. It's it's a tough one. I kind of always thought we'd be playing Norway, obviously with Erling Holland. But it looks like Serbia, who won 2-1, Uh, A few familiar names that we'll know of, Dusan Tadic, Alexander Mitrovic, and the 12th of November is the date, the big date, where we could be in our first major competition for a very, well, since 1998. Laura, I can see you on our Zoom meeting right now, and you're you're just wincing. You're so nervous.
3: I am, and you know what? Like a couple of weeks ago, we talked about getting to this stage, and I was like, I don't think we should be playing this game, and I don't want to qualify in this way. And no. And you know what? See, after that experience on Thursday night, I don't care how we do it. I just want to do it now. I don't care if I'm sitting in my living room on my own. Just, just gonna just get us there. And I'll enjoy it next summer. Well,
1: let's hope we do get there, Laura, and then. Um, one thing that was a bit odd in the build-up to this game was, um I think it was after the game, James McFadden kind of accusing Scotland fans of giving Oliver McBurney a, a hard time because of his English accent. It's It took me by surprise. It's not something I've noticed on social media or anywhere before because my, my viewpoint is, it, is that um, video that was leaked where McBurney was um, being asked, oh, are you looking forward to being uh, involved with the Scotland squad? And he kind of gave a very no, I'm not really looking forward to it at all, response. Am I wrong? Does he get stick for having an English accent?
3: I don't think that it's anything to do with the English accent. We've had boys before who who are English and have exactly. English accents and who are Scottish with English accents. And I don't think people are that daft to just be that closed book about it. McBurney does come with baggage, though, and he's the first to admit it. And I know he's done a lot since to try and prove that he loves playing for Scotland and his loyalties to the national team and everything, but... He's never really recovered from that video in the tunnel when he he did say that. And he's pulled out of squads before through injury and then played for his his club a couple of days later. And I think as well, and whether it's right or wrong, I think the fact that he, the way he dresses, he doesn't wear shin pads, he he runs around with socks halfway down his legs. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I think it gives off an impression of, well, I don't really care. And I think some people have picked up on that as well. Uh, It's a bit like, well... He's just strutting around like he owns the place, but he's never really done anything to own it. And I think his price tag as well um, when he moved, and it was what like twelve and a half million or something, and it's such a twenty sorry twenty million. It was, I knew, there was a, <laughs> I knew there was a two in there. Um, it's just such a, a large price tag for a Scottish player, um, and it's not even the one that you would probably expect it to be if you were to pick anyone out of the Scotland team. I don't think it would be him that you'd select. So I think it comes with almost like he's got he's got something to prove. Which that's isn't really fair, because he's never asked for that, to be fair.
2: It's like it's like he has to prove a bit more about himself, no matter what. I, um, I've not heard it either, but I don't doubt that there are many people who uh, expect him to have to try a little bit harder because of his Englishness that he may or may not have. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying he's English, but that's uh, not that would be a bad thing. I've dug myself into a hole <laughs> with my English parents. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, there's something about that, having the accent, uh, about not belonging, a bit of identity kind of issues there and some mm-hmm. people expect him to prove more. The price tag's probably relevant. The other thing is, he's been pretty pish when he's played for Scotland. Yeah. And people, I think a lot of people expect him to be much, much better than he is or to be a different kind of player. A lot of people think if a striker comes on with 20 million, he's a goal scorer and McBurney isn't. He's a link man. He's a, guy, he's a He's a support striker. And you saw it far more, in the I think, in um against Slovakia when McBurney came on that uh, uh, Steve Clark, who's a very good manager, had to bring on Callum Patterson afterwards just so they had someone who was pushing the defence backwards because all Mm -hmm. McBurney does is he doesn't... You'll notice it often the balls wide. McBurney won't make a run beyond the shoulder, beyond the last man. He'll drop into the space behind it, what you'd maybe call a 10 space, to look for a cutback. So, I mean, that's fine when you've got two strikers or you've got an overlapping forward that's going to come over and, you know, take that attacking position up. But it means that you're kind of you're blunting your attack so you've got no pointy bit of the arrow mm-hmm. it's like yeah so that, that's it's a real kind of problem you and problem. your arrows JJ well it's a problem for your your attacking shape that's yeah. a real problem you need your depth and your width and if you don't have McBurney pushing the defence back you lose your depth so he is good at certain things but it's stuff <laughs> you don't it's not very sexy keeping the ball in the corner <laughs> People look at numbers as well, though. I think it's well over ten
1: games he's had for Scotland, zero goals. And yep. you look at Lyndon Dykes, who's got four games, two goals. Even Lauren Shanklin's got maybe two or three games, and he's still got a goal to his name.
2: Maybe like it might be like Emil Heskey was really underappreciated at the time for not because <laughs> he didn't score enough goals, but he did an awful lot off the ball, which was wanted. Like, there's, there's a reason Steve Clark plays him and likes him in the team. Yeah, uh, but it's I mean, if he scored goals, I think people would like him a lot more. But the problem he's got is that he doesn't, and maybe his role is underappreciated. But I mean you can see what Dykes does already, and Dykes is more of a threat, like directly. So he is You more say directly, lovable. but <laughs> I actually I actually think I actually
1: think Dykes is kind of a good mixture of both. He is a good link up player and he is always his his main focus is to get into the box. He is direct, but he's yeah. I mean it's funny how many times he just chests the ball down to assist into a player. Um, he's, he's such a well rounded footballer that um, it seems to benefit Scotland, but he just is missing that man that can find him every single time. But let's talk about the next game, which didn't matter so much.
2: This season, the Premier League's going to be a little different, but at Paddy Power, we're trying to look at the upside. Avoid unnecessary journeys. That's Fulham's trip to Anfield off. Self-isolate. Some midfielders do that very effectively. Avoid European travel. Shouldn't be a problem for Everton fans. When you think about it, not that much has changed, really. New normal, same old football. Just like Paddy Power's Acker Cracker. Get a free bet if one leg of your 4-plus-fold Acker lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10. Min odds 1-5 to five on each leg. Online exclusive. exclude. Shop bets. T and C's apply. 18plus. This is
3: the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Listen to it totally ad-free via the Athletic.
1: Those the words that Steve Clark said on Friday as he drafted the Aberdeen defender into his squad. Great story, very good song, JJ. Um, is it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Let's look at Considine straight away um, Last played for the under-21s over 13 years ago He made his Aberdeen debut over 16 years ago This is a, a decision that he probably thought would never have happened And you must have been the happiest man in London, JJ
2: What a man! What a time! What a performance! What a win! My word uh, Everyone in Aberdeen, I think, is really, really proud Vandy Considine, It's very odd because he was, he's always been at the club and been a player who's been in the team, but I don't think anyone's really ever valued him quite so highly or respected his his qualities because they haven't really <laughs> been entirely evident for a wee while. But now at the age of thirty three, he's really, he's really really quite a good defender for Aberdeen at, at this level and. I think he did quite well coming into the team. But it's a story that's the nice part. Like You just think that, that's passed you by. And he's a great professional, really well-respected by all the staff at the club, all the players. You never hear people saying anything bad about him. I know um, people who work with him as well who just talk really highly of him. He's just a good guy, doing his coaching badges. I think he's doing his UEFA A now. So, yeah, I don't think you can really hold anything against him getting in that game. Uh only thing, like, everyone's maybe gone a bit over the top over how good he was. I think he did very well. And the reason Steve Clark brought him in, he says, was that he's playing in a three in the left side for Aberdeen this season. And that's what he wants to play at Scotland. So by bringing a player who understands the position, it's going to be a lot safer defensively having that there. It makes total sense. You can play at left back if he needs to. But you bring experience and leadership. is obviously very important in a team in a big, crucial game, even yeah. though he was very nervous.
1: Well, his, his stats were good as well. I noticed he's what well, second in the the passing stats in terms of pass yeah, completion. Yeah. But um, that doesn't
2: matter, Slavin, as well. Yeah, as well. I know, he's I know. But short side the the day, passes.
1: Yeah, I get that. But at the same time, you know, it's it's. I, I think he is. He's an average player. But even his average performances for Aberdeen, it average is fine for Scotland. If you don't put a foot wrong, which he didn't, then that's absolutely fine. Well, I'd um, say
2: actually to be really super harsh. On, on my favourite player of all time Andrew Constein Of all time He was, time. My he God. was caught <laughs> I'm exaggerating for comic effect He uh, uh, There there's a couple of times He was caught out defensively With his positioning So Because it Aberdeen he plays a man marking system So he's always following the man in To midfield Which happens a lot And if you do that in a Zonal system It causes problems Because <laughs> other people have to cover for you But yeah Robertson to his left and he had, a, he was playing central defence, was Gallagher was in the middle uh, looking after him. And there's both occasions that he went forward and got caught. The ball went through his legs and one, I think, he had cover. So it worked out fine. And it may well have been, actually, that that then took that player out the, of the, the move anyway. Otherwise, he started getting stuck in later on. You can see he was nervous at the start, but calm composed and played like he's was like he been in that team for a wee while. He's, he's putting a better performance than I've seen other players put in anyway. Yeah, well,
1: first performance, first win. Um, not bad for Considine. What, what are your thoughts, Laura?
3: Uh, I find this very entertaining. Um, I expected this from JJ, but what I didn't expect is it from everyone else. <laughs> and it feels like the, the SFA, um, well, not so much the SFA, the Scotland national team, like social media, the journalists, I um, was listening to Sports Sound last night. Um, I just feel like everyone, has, and even on social media as well, has just been going a wee bit over the top about this. He was essentially an emergency pick. As Steve Clark knows he wants, wants to play the three at the back. Obviously, I understand why he was picked. He's, he's playing that for a club. He knows how to do it. But it, it's not really building for the future. And I don't think it sends out a great message to the young boys that are kind of working their way through, or the young boys that are already in the squad, who I understand would have to have played out of position. But This is not a long-term solution for us And for everyone to be going so over the topic This was great for him, this is a dream come true for him And he did so well when he came in Yes, I love to see players wanting to play for Scotland And I want to see it meaning a lot to them But, I mean, he's not a long-term solution for us
2: Laura, last week you said we're not building for the future You said it needs a team right now That's literally what you said
3: Look, so which just, is it I just, huh? I just want
2: to win games what is the vendetta the against contadine
3: is, no 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 the thing is i just want to win games okay so I'm, I'm completely chuffed to bits he came in he did well he kept a clean sheet i have nothing yeah, against the guy it. i i do I, it's it's the three points it's the most important i just don't really get why the media are going so over the top about it that's the only thing
1: it is what the media does and it's funny because if it had all gone wrong and if we'd lost the game you could say that some media outlets would be calling for Clark's head. You could say, why, why is he including Considine? Why isn't someone getting an opportunity? They might bust a gut. I can understand both sides, really. Um, but the, it's the romanticism of it as well, when it's just, on the face of it, seems like a good guy who's worked his balls off for a long time and he gets an opportunity and he does fine and he gets a win. <laughs> I, I can kind of understand why people are just kind of happy and don't we
2: want to just be happy in Scotland for once? <laughs> exactly. And also watching that game, Scotland, uh, we're again not very good to watch. But oh, no. I much prefer that kind of performance where we grind it out, like Northern Ireland or something like that, and get the results. What's it? How, how long is it since we lost the game now?
3: I'm
1: beaten in seven. Yeah, I'm in seven. It's just Oof. over a year. And I get that Clark is trying to be. A bit more pragmatic and a bit more defensive minded but I do struggle to see where where the the attacking threat is for Scotland it's very difficult to see the game plan going forward because in that second half we were a far better team Um, and I actually really liked some of the football going forward I don't know what was said at half time um, but the freedom of going forward was a lot better than the first half
3: In terms of Israel, I don't think anything's changed. We struggled against them in the first Nations League game against them last time around, away from home. And then we beat them 3-2 at home. Um, And I think we actually came from behind in that game. Um, And then again, we struggled just last month against them. We are very evenly placed with Israel. And I think it just came to a head last week, couldn't, get a shot on target and neither of us could and we couldn't get any goals and I dread to think what November's game's going to be like because here we go right back to it we have Israel again cannot wait for that
2: call the coast card because I agree with Laura wow exactly It's <laughs> exactly what I think I was going to say like in terms of a uh, game plan I and mean, the game plan is to be hard to beat and to try and attack mostly down the left with Robertson that's where most of the play was focused I think you saw in the second half especially the the forward press works really well on the left hand side. So you had Fraser, Dykes, and Robertson, and another midfielder coming across. Often again, they knew exactly where to be and when. They knew what the triggers were, and they were pushing and they were showing the ball wide to then press it. So set the trap. They were keeping the ball up there, really, really well done. I thought, and that's one of the things that'll that'll hopefully work going forward. The right side is not strong because it's Stephen O'Donnell, which is just something you got to do. But also because you had Dykes up front on his own from the start. in in this game it was a slightly different kind of shape because Fraser was both a striker and a wide player so he was working the channels and then you had Dykes next to him but Fraser was mostly on the left so it's likely they played a forward two but lopsided almost so they are almost overloading the one side of the pitch I think it works I think what we're really seeing is the start of Clark putting his influence Onto the team it'll take a long time for it to come through but you can see it now and although it's not great to, to watch sometimes I think the second half you saw players being in positions to receive those forward passes one of them was from our boy Andy Contadine. like a long pass into chest on to, to Dykes who can lay it off and then the next ball goes forward so it's not it's not always third-man runs rather than just having third-man runs you have one ball going forward and someone else goes so you're still getting that uh, movement and and running in behind to take the ball forwards and it'll get better with time it depends on other teams suss us out And if they lock down that left side Then it's very hard for us to create
1: You highlight that a lot of the football goes down the left hand side But the goal came from the right And it was a great goal, really well worked Robertson winning the ball on the left And then it get fashioned out to the right really quickly And it was O'Donnell's run For me that, that created the space And the movement And he lifted it into Linden Dykes And it was a great finish It was actually the first time, really good football
2: for the first times that the wing backs made underlapping runs as well because they're normally going outside because he mm. makes the underlap then he turns up in the space it's a really good ball from McDonnell as well I keep feeling like I'm being harsh slagging him off like he's decent I really like Sullivan Donald as a player but the cross is perfect and the, the timing of the run, just watching it I don't know how he manages, why he's not being marked at that one point it's really bad defending <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Slovakia but maybe that's what happens when you're kind of a makeshift team put together Well, this is
1: it. It's four goals in our last four games. I've seen Um, we've managed one shot on target in two hundred and seventy minutes against Israel and Slovakia. We're getting points. We're progressing, but is this? Are we just kind of? Are we just happy with this? Is this fine? Is this fine, Laura, to accept?
3: Yeah, it is because we're getting the points, we're getting the results. Like I've I have watched far too many games where it's glorious defeat. And everyone gives it, oh, but we're building for the future and it's all about long term, we're planning long term and this is for next campaign going on. And like we've came so close and you you come out of Hamden brokenhearted, but everyone's like, oh but we played really well. And it's like, I don't care. Because I just want to win games for a change. I just want the success for a change and I don't care. Whose arse it hits off of in the 94th minute. Just get the ball in the back of the net and we'll worry about the performances some other time. It's it's not for the here now.
1: Efficient football from Steve Clark. I, I do look at the Slovakia team as well and notice that there were nine changes in this game for the team that beat Republic of Ireland on penalties. I just wonder like, I'm all about I understand like squad rotation at international level if you're protecting, you know, fitness levels and whatnot. But it, it does make me wonder, you know, this is a effectively looks like a second-string Slovakia team to me, and we're still struggling. We're still struggling.
3: I wondered about that. I wondered if Slovakia were tired from their 120 minutes, so were preempting their own fitness, mm. or they were second-guessing our fitness and thought, well, if we freshen up, they'll struggle as a result. But, I mean, I, I imagine that would have made it harder for Scotland in terms of analysis because they changed so many players around. That's twice as much work for the, their team. And Scotland you know, didn't think.
1: change so many players around, did they? I know John Fleck came in, Kenny McLean came in. It was the midfield mostly that changed.
3: Yeah, And then obviously Constown as well. And um, Fraser started as well because he right, didn't Fraser start the game. Well. Yeah, so it was four changes. So yeah, I mean, we we did kind of shake up a wee bit, but the formation stayed the same and the players that were involved. The only real kind of fresh face, faces were Fleck and Constown. So from a Slovakian perspective, it was a lot easier for them to... Analyse this game In preparation The formation was a little bit different
2: It was a little bit different Especially with having Fraser Instead of Just because of the players you put in It might be the same on paper But because the players Naturally make it different And uh, like I was kind of Touched on Earlier on I think One of the problems actually With this shape I I don't really like A 3-5-2 Which is essentially what it is Is because If your wing backs Don't push forward And are are really aggressive It's very easy To keep them back in a 5 And that suddenly Limits your midfield You've got no width When you try and progress the ball So the centre backs can give it to a midfielder, and then they need to look forward for a pass. And all they've got is a striker directly ahead of them. Suddenly, it's very easy for their team to squash you in and limit the space, and you can't do much with it. So I thought focusing on being a bit deeper and making sure that Slovakia didn't create anything, and they didn't really create anything. There's a couple of scary moments. I'm sure you found some of those to watch, Lauren. Although you weren't quite as fast with this one. I didn't feel as
3: as nervous watching this one, um, and not. Purely because of what was riding on it, because I, I do understand it as a big game for us. But
2: it's because Konstantin was there,
3: didn't feel like
2: confidence. <laughs> Andrew, confidence, Constantine
3: <laughs> I just didn't feel like Slovakia were really shown anything in front of goal, and I didn't really feel yeah. nervous at, at any stage towards in the kind of last ten minutes, which normally gets to, like is the worst stage, and you're just thinking, just just punt the ball, just punt the ball. I think the the time wasting down at the corner flag was something oh, yes. I have never probably seen from taps. a Scotland team before.
1: <laughs> Towsery was fantastic.
3: Honestly, to see that from a Scotland team, uh, going, <laughs> I have honestly that's a whole new life experience for me. Yeah, credit on. where credit's
1: due for for McBurnie coming in and just absolutely highlighting how much of a bastard he is. <laughs> <laughs> just holding up the ball in the corner and just having a bit of a laugh with the Slovakian defenders. Same for like Patterson as well. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't think we'll see much of that on Wednesday though because we've got Czech Republic top two coming head to head and it looks like we'll face a much stronger Czech Republic team this time around because last time obviously it was a massively second rate strike. I think it was the third team that they came out against us. Um, obviously they've won.
3: Yeah, they beat they beat Israel on it. Right? I think this they they fielded a they've brought in a, a reserve team on the off chance that the same thing happens again with their covid testing. I don't know I don't know the ins and outs of why they've done it in case there were cases um, and they're worried about the track and trace. So far it all seems good that it'll be the first team we're playing against but they've they've kind of preempted it this time. I think it'll be a much tougher game. It was difficult don't get me wrong last time around, I think it'll be even harder. But this game is massive for us to still be in it and still have it in our hands halfway through a group stage is huge for us to still be top of the group, but to break away, see if we're to to create a gap between us and Czech Republic who are in second place just now. There'd be four points in it if we win. To go into the last two games in that sort of control is kind of unheard of for Scotland. But it's also worth remembering why it's important in the Nations League because there's going to be four group winners, but. It's not like last year's Nations League where all four group winners go into a playoff. It's the best two of those four winners. So even if we win the group, it's still not necessarily good enough. We still have to have the most points and the best goal difference and so on and so on. So every game is huge and just doing the best in that sense. So it's really big. And plus, the added bonus as well for if we were to win our league is promotion to Path A for the next... Nations League, which would be connected to the Euro 2024 and it would also mean that playoffs would be a lot easier for that one, and to clinch a playoff would be a lot easier in that one because essentially, and what you can expect would happen, is every team in Pathy, which is your likes of Belgium and, and England and, and Spain, all your big countries they would qualify the, the, the normal way, through the, the normal qualifying system, so it means that we would have an even bigger chance of reaching playoffs for the next tournament after that. So it's, it's all got a knock-on effect, what's happening right now.
1: One thing that we haven't really mentioned yet so far, before we go on to give our championship preview, this game um, was the first time I really believed that Scott McTominay totally fits into this system as the right-sided centre-half, because the amount of times that he was so defensively sound, winning the ball... As well, he has that outlet for Scotland at the back that can get the ball forward. His range of passing is excellent um, and it really fits into the way Scotland can play. I really believe that, that
2: that makes a lot of sense now to me. Yeah, That's the point of him. He's a ball-playing centre-back because he's a midfielder technically, but do you not notice how many passes he gives? are? They're really not very well-weighted. He hits bouncing balls into midfield that are impossible to take down and it slows down the move. Like There's there's a player in there in Scotland, Tominey, but I just don't quite... I don't think, for example, if he wasn't at Man United, I don't think he'd make Everton better. I don't think he's, you know, I'm trying to work out like what kind of a player he is. He's he's a ball winning player, but I think he's also an attacking midfielder. He's tall, so he can play at the back. He's got height so that's going to work. He's quite strong, so he's got that he's got balance, and he reads the game quite well. But he doesn't know that position as well as others, and there'll be times he's quite out of position, and he is quite regularly, <laughs> especially when he plays that for Scotland. But if he keeps doing it if he gets coached on it and develops he could be a decent option there and it makes sense technically why he's there because he can play out from the back and also it means you can like Celtic do when they play a three you have Christopher Eyre or something like that runs into midfield and you get an overload there so that's what you want it's maybe not the best time to experiment with a player in a new position during a crucial qualifying match
1: (laughs) yeah well I think that rounds up our, our Scotland review so it's time to look ahead to the start of the new championship season which is kicking off this weekend fingers crossed
0: You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media and The Athletic.
1: We've all had to do without football at times this year, but if you're involved with a Championship League 1 or League 2 club, you've been waiting seven long months for a game of football. The Championship will hopefully return on Friday night With teams many expect to be in the top two Hearts and Dundee Clashing at Tynecastle Ewan Booth-Robertson has been looking ahead to the new season In the second tier for the 2.1 And joins us now Thanks for joining us Ewan Going to start off straight away with the Hearts
4: Ludicrously strong favourites of the title um, But please tell us why Yeah if you're a betting man I wouldn't put any money on them Because the odds are terrible but (laughs) It's just the strength of their squad really isn't it They've got internationals uh, throughout the side, you know, Liam Boyes scored the winning penalty kick the other night for Northern Ireland. You've got Stephen Naismith who could arguably get back in the Scotland fold, as could Craig Gordon. And Michael Smith, experienced internationalist. When Sutter comes back, he's probably an internationalist as well. And just throughout their whole side, like picking up Stephen Kingsley um, from Hulls, a, a great re- bit of recruitment. And, you know, I don't want to say they're definitely going to win the league, but they're definitely going to win the league. <laughs> It's it's
1: a really good article. If if, if anyone hasn't read it yet, um, it, it really points out a lot of things in the in the in each team. But sticking with Hearts, I mean, you you mentioned Stephen Na- Naismith might actually
4: be a problem from Hearts. How do you mean? Yeah, I've got a lot of my Hearts friends that have been on my case today after I said that. It was more in terms <laughs> of the fact that in Hearts' favorite formation or Robin Nielsen's favorite formation, it's like a four two three one. And so they play a double pivot, which will probably be between Andy Halliday and the Irving or Ollie Lee uh, until Peter Harring can come back from injury anyway. So number 10 rule will be between Naismith and Jamie Walker and from what I've seen in pre-season and from listening to Hearts fans I think that Walker is the strongest option in there. So then what do you do with Naismith? Does he play wide? He probably doesn't have the pace there. He's an intelligent player Um, so Jamie Walker could feasibly play wide but then you're putting him out his best position so I wouldn't say Stephen Aston's a weakness you know he's a, he's a Scotland international with great pedigree uh, north and south of the border I hope he's not I hope he's not listening to to this <laughs> or Redmar he's definitely um, not. yeah <laughs> oh, he's, he's not he's, listening he probably, to us. <laughs> he's probably too big time for that isn't he he's just a he's BBC only um, but, but yeah I wouldn't say he's a problem but he's the sort of player who's he's such a crucial guy to hearts in terms of his leadership you know he's uh, very pipy on the pitch, he doesn't shut up. Um so if he's not playing, you can't imagine that he'll be happy. Um, so that's why I kind of labelled it a, a weakness per se. Um, but we're interested to see what happens there. I imagine it will start on on Friday night, and what is a huge game, and it's televised as well. It's only kind of free football, you can watch in Scotland. So uh, I think it'll be huge viewing figures for what will be a tasty game, given the kind of off the field um scandal between Hearts and Dundee <laughs> and uh, John Elms. You know, preference for emails to go missing <laughs>
2: <laughs> What about um, uh, speaking of Dundee, do you reckon they can challenge for promotion or anything like that will Charlie Adam at the age of 104 make a difference to them this season
4: <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I think people have kind of criticised his ability but he's got an abundance and you know Graeme Doran's Charlie Adam and Paul McGowan won't be the, the most youthful pairing but they've got a, a youngster in Finlay Robertson who's an outstanding young talent
3: who else do you think Might be in the mix For the championships I know like I know Dunferman Have lost Kevin Nisbet But they can still look strong uh, Inverness as well Can expect it to be In the mix as well Aren't they
4: Yeah certainly Dunfermline I've been fortunate enough To to beat the last two games And I'll beat their game Tomorrow night Against Kelly as well And you mentioned correctly About losing Nisbet But they've recruited Quite well You know they kind of you know, Lost a big player But spent that money in bringing in uh, A good few players I think I mentioned That Dom Thomas Is an outstanding player um, for that level, you know, he's tricky, he's got a great left foot, Stephen Whitaker's obviously come in from Hiberni and he's playing in a holding CDM role, it was quite interesting to, I talked about it last week and you know, the value he brings in terms of experience, ability, is very good, they're strong at the back and Paul Watson and, and Ewan Murray, uh, and up front as well, we've got a pairing of Kevin O'Hara, who was excellent last season for Alloa, and also Declan McManus, who's you know, kind of been about the, the clubs at that level, but he's a proven goal scorer, I think that Dunferm will certainly be up there. It'll be fascinating to see how Everton progresses with their kind of um, injection of money from the, the German um, consortium who've, who've invested there because I think they're going to try and emulate Brentford's successful strategy in terms of the money ball. So I'm really fascinated to kind of see what happens at Dunfermline because they're a big club. Um, you could argue that they should probably be in the top flight, but I'd say they'd be the biggest challengers um, along with Dundee. Inverness that you mentioned there, Laura, lot of I think their biggest strength I mentioned in my article is John Robertson. Um he's done a fantastic job up there, but they've kind of lost a lot of players. They lost their whole back four from the start of last season. You know, Jamie McCart and Rooney went to St Johnson. Cole Dawson and Kyle Tramarco moved to their, their bitter rivals, Ross County, and obviously Jordan Whites went to to Mavril. So it'd be interesting to see how they how they how they perform this season.
1: I have to ask you about um my beloved Queen of the South. Um, I think a lot of what's expected from them is, is survival, maybe alongside Aloha. But tell me Queen's will be all right this season.
4: I think they'll be all right. Um, I looked at it. and oh, Earlier on, <laughs> early on, early on in the summer, they they had they only had three players, didn't they, Andrew? Yeah,
1: that's right, yeah. It's horrible. So,
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I love Palmerston as an away venue. It's a great away trip. And, um, you know, Sandra down there makes probably the best cup of tea in <laughs> Scotland. So... so
1: Good pies as well, Yoon. Good pies. I had
4: great pies, and they give you a free token, but it's, I, I'm right. always kind of dilemma is what do you go for? Is it a pie or chips and curry sauce? And I often go for uh, the chips <laughs> and curry sauce, which is probably a poor decision. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think they'll be fine I mean, Stephen Doby's 37 now But he's got a ability and abundance And they've recruited quite well Especially the left-hand side and, and James Maxwell from Rangers on loan And breaks my heart that he's he's not a fistle anymore As Aidan Fitzpatrick Who mm. has come up from Norwich and started well And they've got Connor Shields on the other side I, I, I don't like to nail my um, predictions to the mass But I, I believe that Queen's will be fine
1: The big kickoff in League 1 and 2 this weekend Let's get some odds from Paddy Power Courtesy of producer Charlie So let's start Can Cove make it three promotions
0: in a row? I should co-cove Although uh, Paul Hartley's men are third favourites for the League One title at 5-1. to one. Falkirk just ahead of them at 6-4. to Favourites for the title are Partick Thistle at 7-5, relegated from the Championship last season. What an eventful year in charge it's been for Ian McCall. The toughest year he's had since he was coaching Andrew Slaven back in the day. But Paddy <laughs> Power think he'll be celebrating come the end of the campaign.
1: <laughs> oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, the Premiership is back on Saturday with a full programme. Who do you fancy, Charlie?
0: Well, Dundee United take on an Aberdeen side who are having a a pretty great season in terms of points per game. Hamilton hosts St Johnston, both teams joint bottom on seven points. Ross County hosts high-flying Hibs. Laura's off to Paisley as Motherwell travel to St Mirren. And Livy take on Kilmarnock, both teams looking for their third premiership win on the spin. If you're liking the look of the away teams there and you were so inclined, how about an acker of five away wins at three o'clock for a little over 60 to one, a set of results that will keep JJ and Laura very happy. Charlie, your voice on this show
1: is most welcome. Superb. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording and it's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, you should probably stop. Stealing all the focus this weekend Will be the first Glasgow Derby That JJ has looked
2: forward to in years Celtic (laughs) V Rangers At Celtic Park Are you excited JJ? I'm off work and I might watch this game on purpose With one of my friends (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely I really want to see How both teams are against each other Because it's but as we've been talking about all season long, Celtic have been getting results without playing particularly well. They don't really have to because they've got the players you can get them through. Rangers have been playing well, keeping clean sheets often, but they haven't really been challenged. I and mean, when they have, haven't looked as uh, solid as maybe we thought they were when they weren't challenged, if that makes sense. Yeah, they've so, only really been challenged by Hibs so far this season, isn't who were the best team they've played so far, Yeah, yeah. There
3: are also two teams that really thrive in a strange way of not of not having fans there because I feel like the Celtic and Rangers fans got on their team's back a lot quicker than other clubs because the expectation levels are higher. So if, say, one of them is struggling at half an hour in and they haven't scored yet against a team that they're deemed to should be presumably 3-0 up at half time, the fans are normally on their backs, giving them a lot of pressure, which makes it tougher for them. But neither side have got it in this occasion. So it's going to be really interesting to see how both respond because they're both kind of locking, locking heads in this sense, unlike the other teams they've been playing.
1: Yeah, well, we see kind of like a fiery game. I, I, I kind of take what you're saying, Laura. I just think I wonder if Gerard will start with um, with Alfredo Morelos being El Buffalo I'm sure he's got plenty of beef for Scott Brown but you know if Alfredo Morelos isn't in the side for Rangers they're probably better served in the um, in the fact that they might not get a send off
3: I, know <laughs> I, said, I said a couple of weeks ago and I kind of did say it tongue in cheek along the lines of "Well, will the players treat this just like any other game now any Celtic and Rangers fan will probably jump at me and say don't be so stupid our boys know how big this game is And I was kind of saying it very kind of flippant because I've not played football, I've not got the mentality of a player to go out there on the pitch with or without fans. But it will be very interesting to see just who understands this to be the big game that it actually is and just how many of them really understand it to that extent. And I'm really quite looking forward to hearing the players on the pitch and it's something that I don't quite enjoy. In my job, when I'm hearing um, the authentic sounds in the stadium, I don't like it and I actually like switching off during a game and I listen to the the, the commentary, radio commentary, in my ear when I'm there because I like to feel like I'm getting that excitement side of things and not just the kind of authentic odd cries from here and there in the one stand and not around the stadium. But I will quite look forward to hearing on the TV. I know they'll probably pipe in fake crowd noise, but you're still going to pick up some of the, the, the players' Um, shouting, and it will be interesting to see just who is kind of taking that game by the scuffle of the neck in that sense.
2: I wonder what songs we'll hear on those uh, pumped in crowds and <laughs> crowd noises. Moving <laughs> swiftly on, uh, one of the things about this game is uh, that. The referee has a chance to actually referee it as a game of football and not give them special dispensation because it's the magical of them and they're allowed to go in with all like hard tackles and ridiculous kind of things that like, a lot of the games that are played, they just referee it as though it's a special occasion you got to play the game. No, I think you should just as soon as these like horrible tackles go in, get them sent off, because the referees aren't so influenced by the crowds now, um it could make a big difference into how this game is played out and what kind of tackles those players can put in and also i'm pretty sure that the players will be going right into it, regardless of whether they really care about rangers or celtic you know whoever wins this has got a big early psychological advantage it could make a big difference to how the rest of the league plays out especially if it ends early because of the pandemic it's interesting because i was going to ask you how
1: big a game is this like exactly because oh. there are there are there are still going to be three other games for them to play against each other um but it's going to be whoever takes the first scalp i do believe um, that, yeah, this, this, no matter what time of the year it is, it's going to be a massive kind of benchmark of how teams will perform. Um, Jack Wilshire, You actually stole my line. <laughs> exactly, Jack Wilshire could be there.
2: I wonder if the Rangers could register him in time if he was to go there. If there's any league or match you don't want to play in <laughs> with glass ankles, it's an old firm
1: match. Who was it? Did you not? Um, I think you sent us a WhatsApp saying um, about Javi. Uh, spoke about Jack Wilshere going to Rangers? Is that right? That was
2: Javi's quoted saying he'll be the best player in the Scottish Premiership. I mean, I would be inclined to agree with Javi because Wilshere I mean, it's not quite worked for him because he's got smashed into tiny little bits that literally his ankles are on, you know, they're not, well, not literally, but uh, his ankles <laughs> haven't really held up very well, It's a shame because he was a real player. Mm. But uh, if he were to, everyone always says about Jack Wilshire, if he were to be able to, to play his game and get on the pitch and play well, he would just look a different level to a lot of other players in that division
1: who has the advantage in this game because i look at some of the um likely omissions from celtic you know ryan christie will be absent um he's quarantining after coming into close contact with stuart armstrong on international J, which we mentioned earlier he tested positive for covid19 um and also on eduard as well who had coronavirus too he has to quarantine um but he might be back laura didn't you say
3: yeah, um, as far as I'm aware, it's 10 days if you have COVID and it's 14 days to isolate if you are just within the vicinity of somebody with COVID. And that's government guidelines, let alone the football guidelines. Um, mm. And when we were talking about it, it was 11 days before the Old Firm game that Edward was confirmed of having COVID. So
1: he could be that. So
3: so it could be a case of he is allowed back into the country or, so to speak, back to Celtic Park um, on the Friday Before the game So his fitness Might be in question Or rather Not so much fitness But match sharpness Um, Mm -hmm. But I would say If he's available Then I can't see any reason Celtic wouldn't pick him For such a big game
1: Maybe we'll see Diego Laxalt as well Um, in this game obviously he was the new signing for Celtic don't know I kind of feel like Rangers are playing the better football right now and there's been a lot of question marks on Celtic performances of late but we will look forward to seeing that one but that's it for today thanks for listening thanks Laura thanks JJ also thanks to Ewan Robertson and thanks to the Little Kicks as well for our theme song and also welcome back to producer Charlie who's doing a wonderful job with us Um, we will miss Abby, but for now we'll be back next week with the return of the Premiership speak to you then
0: You've been listening to The Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales
3: at muddyneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally
0: Show on Twitter and Insta, and be sure to check out our website, thetotallyfootballshow.com. Muddy
2: Knees Media.